Hello, everyone. It is the outlaw Kenny Dean with the Mother's Day episode of Let's Talk Law Enforcement. And guys, before I get into it, I want to thank everyone who tuned in to every previous episode. I appreciate the support. I'm adding sponsors uh, weekly up to three, and I'm super happy about that. And I couldn't have done it without your support. So I'm going to jump right into this, right? Okay, so I talked to a bunch of uh, ladies in law enforcement over the past week, some I've previously worked with, some I haven't, and kind of took, took a little impromptu poll. And I asked them, I said, ladies, was it hard getting respect out there on the street? And overwhelmingly, most said, yeah. Most said they had to deal with proving themselves to their peers, as well as the bad guys on the street. And I know this. I've observed it firsthand. And to be honest, it's not fair, but it's just, you know, unfortunately part of um, part of that kind of unofficial hazing test we have uh, when you join a department um, from rookie status to, you know, top of the food chain. Um, and with that being said, I will say a lot of the uh, female officers that I've worked with, I've trained over my career, have been outstanding. Um, I've watched several go from officer to commander to uh, actually one was an inspector. She left, but she made it to an inspector level. And, I, you know, I was kind of super proud of that because I watched them grow. But most of all, I watched them out on the street and I watched them put hands on people and I watched them earn that respect because they it's pretty tough out there. And, and let's be real about it. A lot of the myth is and, you know, I, I fell into this, too. Right. You have an attractive female. She comes to your district, to your station and within two years, she's out on maternity leave. She comes back that third, fourth year, takes the sergeant's test, she's a sergeant, right? And then next thing you know, she's supervising you or supervising veteran officers. And you're kind of like, damn, you only did like a year and a half on the street, technically. And because you're a good test taker, you got promoted. And I'm not knocking that. But that respect... And a lot of officers won't say it, but the truth is, right? Because that's what this podcast is about. You have to earn your stripes out on that street. You have to earn your stripes out on that street, going hands-on with the bad guy like we do, right? Um, You have to fight. You have to get in that brawl. You have to get in that uh, 1033, that signal 13, all that with your fellow officer because it's, you know, it may not be right, but that's how you earn your respect out there. You know, cause I want to make sure that person sitting next to me had my back and I had their back. And I know it's pretty hard for women and especially attractive female officers because you know, it's that, all right, uh, let's see, you know, you cute, you come in here, your hair done, your nails done, all that. All right. That's cool. But let's see, right? And I will say this. 
uh, Nefertaria Stevens, right? Probably pronounced her name as long as she's my partner, right? Because, you know, cops, we only know last name. Work with somebody 20 years, you only know that last name. We handled our business over there in the 7th District Southeast, right? And Neff, hopefully you listened. We had carjackings together. We had uh, shootings together, stabbings together. We got trouble together. You name it. We did it, right? Neff is a very attractive female. Everybody called her cat eyes, right? And the sergeant that put us together, yeah, Jonathan Hart, I'm calling you out too, right? Because me and Hart fought like uh, dogs and cats and cats and dogs when he first got to the district as a sergeant, right? It was a man thing, testosterone, but we worked it out, you know. But anyway, so Hart threw us together thinking that, you know, we weren't going to get along. Turns out, she was one of the best partners that I ever had, right? Because it, it wasn't a long hair. It wasn't, you know, I'm thinking, I'm like, oh, God, you put me with this chick who's out there. gonna. She ain't going to man, she ain't going to go hands-on. Well, she went hands-on with me early in the process, and we became, um, like, almost inseparable, right, as, as a team. So it's not that it can't happen, and most of the times it, it does, but the prejudgment is pretty unfair to women and ladies, uh, especially when you're super attractive or kind of attractive out there in the field. And, you know, it, again, it's not fair, but it is what it is. And that was part of my reasoning for this episode was to say and ask that question, ladies, is it super hard doing this job out there? Because, again, not only do the bad guys judge you, your own peers judge you. And it's, it's, it is unfair. But we want to make sure, like I said, it, you go hands. And once you do that, and you notice the whole squad, the whole section will come to your aid if you call for backup, right? You, you go, we call it a 1099, you buy yourself, and you hear that, you know, because everybody learns your voice on that radio, and you know, you hear it, and then they call, hey, send me some backup, eight or nine cars going to show up. Not because we can't, or we don't think that you, at this point, you can defend yourself or handle yourself, but it's like, hey, 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 nobody puts their hands on our coveted females. But that's only once you earn those stripes. And again, it may not be fair, but it is what it is, right? And then at that point, we become overprotective. <laughs> you know, so it kind of balances itself out. But part of this, again, this episode was, I, I, I talked to a lot of females in the last couple of days, and overwhelmingly, they said to me, yeah. It's hard out there because you have to prove yourself pretty much over and over, even after you prove yourself to your peers, your male peers. Now you have to prove yourself to the bad guys out there because we've all seen it, gentlemen. You pull up on the scene with a new rookie or new female, and those guys are like vultures. Your suspects, your bad guys, all of them, they stand in there. And they giving it to her. 
Hey, Rook, what's up? They singing Mrs. Officer songs, all that. You know that. We've all been there. We've all watched it. And for me, I know as a field training officer, when I would have a female, I'm, I got to watch, right? And, and what I mean by that is I got to sit back and see how she's going to handle it. I want to see if she put people in, in their place or if she's kind of blinded by the, the spotlight in the beginning. And, and, I, and I will say this. The ones I've trained, 90% or more, nah. First of all, because they know as soon as they got back in that car, I was going to dig in that ass for, for allowing that. But they kind of set the tone in the beginning. I'm not here for that. I'm here to handle my business, and I can handle it just as well as any of these male officers. And I appreciated that. Because, like I said, when I started out from Baltimore, I had some of the best female field, field training officers out there. And I was kind of, you know, like, uh, in the beginning, right? It took me all the two shootings and homicides in Baltimore, which in Baltimore, homicide occurs every freaking 20 seconds almost. But, yeah, they showed me the way. And I'm, you know, grateful for that because that put me in the path that I am at today, right? Because it showed me that, hey, yeah, I'm a female, but you listen to me and I'll get you through this. And they did. And uh, I had some really good field trainers in Baltimore, really good, especially females. And then when I got to D.C., I had Leslie Davis. See, I think – She's still a sergeant, detective sergeant. And uh, she was excellent, right? And she was stern, but she was excellent. And I had fun training with her. And then I got another female, like in my second cycle, Bader. She's a lieutenant now. And she was more of, uh, you know, the military approach, but it worked for me, right? And it worked. It really worked. So I was like, okay, cool. And she was a white female in the 7th District, right? Because there are not a lot of white females in Southeast 7th District. They may have changed a little bit now. And again, I don't know why, because if you want to be the police, that's the district to go to. 6 and 7D, Washington, D.C., Southeast D.C. You will learn. You will learn one way or another. But anyway, so Bader was white female. Beta didn't care. Beta handled her business. Beta put hands on people faster than a lot of the guys I work with. And she did it in a professional way, right? So I learned a lot from her. And like I say, she's a lieutenant now. She may have made captain, um, but she, she was damn good, right? So I had a lot of black and white female officers that, took away that stereotype for me and a lot of guys that I work with that mm, nah, 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 they women, they can't handle it. Right? No. They handle their business. And another female when I got to, to the first district and I transferred after my last shooting, Tasha Bryant. Tasha, I told you I was going to shout you out, right? Tasha came over as a lieutenant um, to my district, to the first district. And you know, we looked at her, Tasha, old, innocent-looking face, and she come in roll call, and 
good morning, guys. And everybody looking at her like, what supervisor says good morning, right? Where you come from? Or internal affairs, right? Whatever. Because you all know that stereotype. We're like, we're not used to happy supervisors, right? But she would say good morning. And she was hitting roll call and she would laugh and joke with us. And I'm not saying there are no supervisors like that, but you guys know how it is. We were used to the doom and gloom. You're not doing enough. You need to do this. Blah, 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 blah. Everything negative. Well, we used to look forward to her coming to our roll calls because she made them fun. And we laughed and we joked. And not one time could I remember that she ever come on any of my scenes while I was field training, while I was just handling my business and go, Katie, you, you need to do this. This needs to be done. Make sure you do this. It didn't work like that. She asked me that I need anything. She met her whole squad on Saturdays for breakfast. Those type of supervisors are lacking now, right? Now, to be honest, she got promoted. She's now commander of the first district. And again, congratulations. I wish I was still under you because I know it's a better atmosphere. I know it is because we, we've lost that generation of supervisors who actually, in my opinion, gave a damn, right? They didn't sit in the office all eight hours or 12 hours of your tour. And I know a lot get bogged down with the necessary paperwork from, you know, as we called it upstairs, but these sergeants, the ones I work with, they went out there and busted their asses with us. And e- even her as a lieutenant, she was on the street. And we appreciated that. And she didn't come to your scene, like I said, and tell you what you needed to do. She asked if you needed anything. And to me, that's how you motivate people. Right? The departments are having so many problems with retaining folk. Well, in my opinion, that's probably 95% of the reason why. You got to let the police be the police. You got to take the shackles off and let them do what they were trained to do. Because again, you're wondering why in most cities your crime rates are soaring, your murder rates are soaring, your carjacking rates are soaring, your robbery rates are soaring because you put handcuffs on the police. Right? Because... Every officer I've talked to and interviewed in the past year, especially for this show in the past couple of weeks, they're not proactive anymore. They're just not going to be proactive. Why? What's the incentive? Car drives by with bad tags. What am I going to pull it over for? Because I'm weighing, I'm weighing the checks and balances on it. Yeah, I pull them over, bad tags. They get the fight. Next thing you know, I'm doing a use of force report. And you weigh that versus kind of turning your head, man, you can go with them tags. I I don't care because it's not worth it. And that's the kind of uh, environment that we have created nowadays in law enforcement all over this country. Nobody wants to do anything. And you cannot blame the police. But I tell you what, you can blame some of management and you definitely can can blame most of the city council members, especially in D.C. That for sure.
And it's like that across the country because everybody's complaining about crime. Everybody wants crime rates down and then, and they're outraged and they can't understand and they they let the media drive the you know the non-truth. And then it falls back on the regular street officer that you say, hey, go out there for 12 hours and clean up this mess that other people created. And it, it's it's just not fixable the way they're doing it now. It's not fixable, right? So you have officers who just, I come to work and I get a, get my fat paycheck and all the overtime you want to give me, and I live in my house out in the county away from all that. And I'm not saying this is every officer, but let's be real about this. Who wants to put their life um, and their li- let me say livelihood, because everybody know you put your life on the line when you go out there. But your livelihood, you make one little mistake and your ass can be arrested. One little innocent mistake and chances are nobody's going to support you. And let me give you a great example of that. When the Body Worn Camera program came out, and I remember they came to roll call management, downtown management, and they said to us, we will not fish with the video that, you know, just normal video, unless it pertains to a specific complaint that's filed against you or use of force or shooting, of course, something like that. Well, that lasted every bit of two months. Because you know what? The next thing you know, officers are getting dinged up for minor violations and infractions from somebody downtown when your investigation was already cleared, who looked at your BWC video and said, wow, in the heat of battle, this officer was fighting two people and he said, shit. Or he said, damn. Or he said, get the fuck off of me. Oh, got to ding him up. You're telling me in the heat of the moment, somebody else three months later is going to look at your video and feel that emotion that you were feeling at that moment. Feel that fear that you were feeling at that moment. Just feel all that. And make a determination to send this investigation back. We're going to write this officer up for conduct coming, coming. Foul language. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? And that's the problem that we have. That's one of the problems that we have in law enforcement now. One of the main problems. We're policing ourselves so much that the police don't want to be police anymore. Right? There used to be, I know, Baltimore City Police Academy, and especially in D.C., right? I think in most academies. You guys remember that sign that hung over the doors that said, you are not report takers, you are the police. And you are report takers. You are not the police. That's how it should read now. And it's just shame. But unfortunately, we've let the cancel culture, we've let the politicians, and we let spineless management dictate that to be truth nowadays. And 
for this city, my city, cities I've worked in, cities across the East Coast, definitely, man, it, it needs to change. Because let, let me say this. Most of the heaviest murder rates and crime rates and people going, oh, my God, Dean, you you must be a Republican. You voted for Trump. No, no, I, I'm an independent. I think, I research. But most of those cities where those crime rates are super high, folks, those are Democratic-controlled cities. I'm going to say that again. Those are Democratic-controlled cities, right? Nothing has changed for 20 and 30 and 40 years. They get your vote. You don't hear from them again for the next four years. It needs to change. Guys, start doing your own research. Think outside of the box. Just because I'm black doesn't mean I had to vote Democratic. Right? And I'm not, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just saying, think about it. Do your own research sometimes. And you will be fascinated with what you find. Right. Because people don't know some of the first uh, politicians, black politicians were Republicans back in the day. Like, do your research on that and kind of find out how that that twisted and turned. But I'm going to get back to the original topic because I won't go too far. That's another episode. Most of the ladies, again, said it's super hard. To work on the street nowadays. Um. I talked to one sergeant, another sergeant from, I watched her, I call it Grow Up. And I'm not going to say her name on the air because I promised her, even though she said, yeah, you could. I'm not going to say it, but she said the same thing. And I think she's a fantastic supervisor, but she's having the same problem a lot do. A lot of females do. She has to prove herself. Times two, sometimes times three. And that's, as she said, is very frustrating. And I, I totally understand that, right? Because, guys, we do have, and again, I've worked with some excellent females, right? Excellent female officers and sergeants and lieutenants and captains all the way up to my commanders, right? And again, watching them some of the guys grow from officer to up the ranks is, is pretty special, especially when you know you had a little to do with that. And I'm going to throw this out there. Tatiana Savoy, congratulations on you making captain. Captain, I'm sorry, making captain. And I remember when you used to sit down the bottom of Savannah Street and go, Dean, cover me while I study for the sergeant's death. Yeah, I can say it now. And I appreciate that. We appreciate things like that. And you're a captain now. Right. And I'm super proud of you for that. Um, let's see who else. Let's see. Cause people are going to get mad cause I forget names now, but I work with a lot of good females and I'm, I'm super, super proud of that. Oh, Tamika Hampton. Yeah. She was over 70 with me too. She's a sergeant, right? Tamika, you, you remember our first, um, bloody adventure we got into? Yeah, they all do. We all we have fun in those days. And again, those girls, especially six, seven, and one, most of them 
went hands on. And it was, it was, uh, yeah, it was pretty, uh, <laughs> eye opening for me. Cause again, I was at Superman does it all. And, uh, it, it changed a lot of my beliefs. So guys, with that being said, I'm, I'm gonna close this up, but I just wanted to get on here and say, ladies, if it was anything that I did to kind of make your uh, job harder back in those days, I apologize, right? But I do appreciate everything that you guys uh, left me with and some of the things that I learned, a lot of things I learned from all you guys that I work with. So again, happy Mother's Day, and I wish you all well. And real quick, again, we added a third sponsor. Pretty happy with that. And the show is going to keep getting bigger. There's a message link now. So you can message me. You can hit me on Instagram again, as always. You can hit me on Facebook. And I look forward to making bigger and better shows. And uh, I'll see you guys next week.